0: Welcome to The Global Workplace, diversity, equality, opportunity. Your host is Alma Besserdin, the founder and director of Wimmigrants of Australia. In our program, we will showcase the global organizations who are making a difference worldwide for skilled migrants, as well as focus on some challenges the migrants face with diversity and inclusion. Now, here is your host, Alma Besserdin.
1: Hi, Karen. Um, Good morning. It's uh, it's a morning in Australia. How are you going? <laughs> I'm very well, thanks. Um,
2: uh, thanks for having me on the show.
1: Oh, it is a, such a pleasure having you on the show, Karen. I'm really, really excited. And uh, before we start on the Global uh, Workplace Radio Show, I just would like to introduce you because you have a, such an amazing background. Um, you are at the moment CEO of Victorian Division of Guide Dogs Australia, currently Australia's most trusted charity. That's you are past Telstra Businesswoman of the Year Award finalist. Congratulations. That's amazing. That's and, you, and you are a board member of Vision 2020 Australia, Multiple Sclerosis LTD, President of the VU. Western Spurs Football Club, just to name a few. Do you sleep ever, Karen? (laughs) (laughs) It's always not easy, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. And um, as a breast cancer survivor, you were one of the founders of Breast Cancer Network Australia, um, and as a board member at the Melbourne Football Club, you contributed to increasing participation of women in the AFL. As the co-founder of Australian Chapter of the International Women's Forum, you play a leadership role for women globally. Prior to joining Guide Dogs Victoria, you had a blue-chip career in the professional services sector, including Director Corporate Engagement and Human Capital with UFC Limited and CEO of Plant Power. And in 2017... You were um, inducted into Victoria Honor Roll of Women for Outstanding Contribution to Business and the Community. Congratulations, Karen, for, for all of these awards and achievements today. You're just amazing. Uh, thank you very much,
2: Alma. It's been really a, a wonderful time in my life, uh, just sort of, I guess, going through all those Different stages in my life, and now to find myself in a in a in a job that I really enjoy very much in a not for profit sector. I feel that everything that I've done throughout my professional career has really prepared me for this amazing role that I have with Guide Dogs. Uh,
1: you uh, you really had an amazing diverse career path. And talking about the um, uh, you know Victoria Division of the Guide Dogs and. Um Australia, you you were in a corporate for a very long time. You were in a blue-chip career and you moved into non-for-profit and you joined Guide Dogs. How did that happen and did that require mindset and culture adjustments? Uh,
2: Yes, you're right. I, I might. My professional career, really over 25 years, has been in, um, basically in business and technology services, and uh, my, my last corporate role, I was the CEO of a major project management company over here, helping organisations to deliver major projects, mainly in business and technology. And, uh, but at the, and at the same time, I started to sort of get involved with some not-for-profits and uh, was involved in the founding of the Breast Cancer Network of Australia, which um, uh, you know, supports women and the families of women who are diagnosed with breast cancer in terms of advocacy and support in understanding the choices that they have when they are embarking on that journey. And, as mm. I started to, and I, at the same time, I also went on the board of the Melbourne Football Club and, and started to get involved with um, supporting women in football and really driving the agenda around putting um, the, the female agenda centre stage for AFL football in Australia. And um, I guess I started to enjoy, as I was going on that pathway, I was starting to enjoy um, my role in the not-for-profit areas of what I was doing more than I was enjoying the corporate role that I was doing. And I guess really what it came down to was, um, an alignment of my values, my personal values. So I'd really got to a stage in my career where whilst I'd had a really exciting corporate and professional career, I was really looking for something to do that was really going to align with my personal values. And I guess, you know, um, it was going to give me the opportunity to put back into the community and, and, and make a really big difference.
1: That is that's so interesting, Karen. Because I think there is a trend uh, lately that uh, a lot of people who um, had career in a in a corporate are going more into non for profit for exactly those reasons. In particularly, um, after maybe twenty years or or thirty years being in a corporate they're going back more into non-for-profit area and yeah, yeah. uh yeah i've seen that trend lately exactly for those reasons um because i can relate to that i i had corporate and i still have corporate uh consulting and so on but i'm also involved in, in a lot of non-for-profit as well because of my personal values that i want to make the difference uh, to other people's life and it's interesting. Uh, that I've seen actually more people, in particularly women, going more into that path.
2: Well, I think you're absolutely right, Alma. Um, There's really a trend um, that we're seeing um, of a lot of corporate people um, moving into that not-for-profit space. And I think that's coming about about not only for the reasons that I've already talked about, but the the fact is that a lot of not-for-profits are very big businesses now. And there's a lot of competition out there uh, so, you know, if, if you look at something like Guide Dogs, and you're right. We are the most trusted charity in Australia. But there are a lot of charities in Australia, and you know, there's a lot of people asking for for funding, whether it's government funding or or philanthropic funding. So you really, you know, as as in any business, and particularly in corporate, you've got to constantly be looking at how what's your strategy for keeping a, you know ahead of the game and be, and being competitive and being customer centric and Looking after your staff, so running a not-for-profit is as complex and as enjoyable as, as any corporate as running any corporate um, job. But I think that also not-for-profits really need that good corporate commercial expertise to come into their businesses and look very differently at their business models and how they how they build sustainability into their financial models, and how they, how they differentiate themselves, how do they go to market with new services. So once again, it's, it's, it's in many instances, um, it's a very different way of, of, um, of running a not-for-profit organisation because a lot of not-for-profits start out as you know, very well-meaning organisations that are focused on a particular cause, almost as cottage industries, and, and then they, turn into, you know, they grow and, and become a real pillar in, in the community. So therefore, you know, they, they grow into a, to a point where they've really got to be uh, as, as well-run as any corporate.
1: I I think you're absolutely right because I'm actually hearing this more and more from uh, CEOs and and senior leadership team in lots of non-for-profit where they say, uh, we can't run uh, a non-for-profit as we did 20 years ago. We actually have to run it as a business. And uh, last night at the Australian Institute of Human Resource Management, we had a guest speaker uh, for -for non-for-profit forum. Uh, from uh, St. Paul, uh, uh, Vincent de Paul, uh, Cassandra Hutton, who is actually GMHR, and it was interesting remark that she made on uh, non for profit or running as a business, and she said that um, we need to attract the best people in non for profit and retain them because people who need support out there deserve the best. And I thought that was a very interesting remark uh, and and aligned what you're saying. Tell us a little bit more about the the guide dogs. How did that happen and what does it take to be the best charity and the most trusted charity uh, considering that you just mentioned how actually it's getting harder to work in non-for-profit and and you need to run it as a business. How did that happen? Look, I think, Alma,
2: there's a couple of things that, you know, really – um, position you to be considered the most trusted charity. The first one I think is transparency around your business and what and and what you do and your financials. And a lot of people, when they donate to organisations, really want to know uh, where, where's my money going. Is my money really going into supporting services or is it paying administration? And with Guide Dogs, um, you know, we're very transparent around all of that. And we have we have a very successful telemarketing business that sells calendars and beautiful puppy bowls and puppy, puppy mugs. And, that's a, and that really funds our administration. So we can legitimately say that the majority of our, of our donors' funds go directly into the delivery of our services. So I, I think, you know, that combined with the fact that, um, you know, you look at the, the, the amazing work that we do as an organisation in supporting blind people and people with low vision to to basically live independently and safely and achieve the goals that they want to achieve in their lives. So whilst, you know, we're obviously very well known for our beautiful guide dogs, guide dogs, in fact, are are only only about 30% of what we do. So we work with people in terms of, you know, orientation and mobility training, occupational therapy, um, independent living skills, adaptive technology. So what we do is we look at, You know, an individual, and say, what are the services that we need to wrap around you, as an individual, to achieve your personal goals? And uh, and so that's the sort of work we do. And I guess, you know, if you look, if you talk to anybody, and God forbid, if anybody was to lose any of their senses, the one that they would least want to lose would be their would be their eyesight. And you know, imagine a day that you couldn't, you know, you couldn't wake up in the morning and see the sunshine in the sky or see the because, yes. you know, the smiles on your children's faces or whatever the case may be. And um, I think, you know, this is why people really love to support Guide Dogs Australia and, and the work that we do.
1: Yes, that uh, I can imagine uh, how how terrible that will be. Um, we have a couple of minutes until break, and uh, I I will just want to uh, say that every time I speak to your staff, they speak so highly of you. In fact, uh, uh, um, one of your staff member. Uh, said that I have and must have you on on the show and then when I rang the office everyone said yes we love Karen she is amazing and you must have oh. her and uh, um, it's, it's amazing because you don't hear that often about CEOs of other organizations unfortunately <laughs> so congratulations on that and uh, we will take a break now Karen but I will come back to that because I think that's that's amazing employee engagement and I would like to ask you a question How do you achieve to be so loved within your organization? We'll take a short break, and we'll come back to that uh, very shortly. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Amber. Thank you.
3: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7
4: innovation It can be thought of in so many ways, but usually it's in the form of new products, ideas, and technology, working together for a better experience. On Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight, host Andy Ford explores innovation by speaking with top insiders who explain how different industries get their ideas to market. Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight can be heard live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific. Pacific time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
0: Wimmigrants of Australia is a unique organization helping skilled immigrants, in particular women, to establish careers and integrate in a new country. For individuals, we offer coaching and mentoring programs. For organizations, we help create diverse and engaging culture, offer talent placement, career transitions, diversity strategy, and inclusive leadership development. We are also available for speaking and consulting engagements. Visit wimmigrants.com.au for more information. That's wimmigrants.com.au.
5: Become our friend on Facebook.
3: Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice
0: America. You are listening to Global Workplace with Alma Besserton. To reach the show, please call into our toll-free lines in North America. 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to elma at au. Now, back to The Global Workplace.
1: Welcome back, uh, everyone. My guest today is amazing Karen Hayes, whose staff said that she is so loved and amazing, and uh, I had to have her... Uh, on my radio show, The Global Workplace, uh, today, because um, not having you, Karen, was not option. Um, And uh, I'm so really excited. And before break, I've just asked you the question um, in terms of employee engagement. You are so appreciative and loved and respected by your staff. Is that the reason why um, your your charity is one of the most trusted charities. Is it because of the respect and, and employee engagement and leadership that you provide is is that your your organisation is one of the most trusted charity?
2: Well, look, I think that's very nice of you to say so, Alma. Thank you very much. Um, look, it's, I think it's probably a contributor. Um, um, I think it's really important as a leader that um, you provide your team with a very clear vision of where you're taking your organisation. Yeah and then also um, ensure that they all understand what role they're going to play in getting us there. And I guess what I've introduced at Guide Dogs is a very, very open and transparent communication strategy that basically... Ensure that everybody knows what's going on in the organisation, that there's no rumour and innuendo out there because, um, you know, people don't know what's going on. I send an email out to my staff every single Friday to tell them what what have I been doing all week, who have I been meeting with, you know, just once again, to ensure that they all know what's going on in the organisation. So I think that's really important because at the end of the day, your staff are out there representing your brand all the time and if they don't know what's going on in the organisation or they don't trust the organisation, you know, they can't represent your brand in the best possible way. And I think trust is really at the centre of everything that we do at Guide Dogs. So um, whether it's trust that that I have in my staff, the staff have in me, but it's also the trust that our clients build with with guide dogs in terms of helping them to navigate their journey with their with blindness or low vision. So I think um, you know we certainly don't don't take for granted the fact that we are the, the Australia's most trusted charity, and um, you know it really does enable us more easily to um, connect with our donors that support us. We only get about. Uh, we get less than ten percent of our funding from government, so um, we we really rely very heavily on the community and the philanthropic community to fund our services. So it's very important that you know the community and individuals that are out there looking to support organisations like ours can trust us. So I think the trust um, really comes at a whole range of different levels, Alma, um, mm-hmm. and it starts with how you how you lead your organisation, the transparency. Uh, it, uh, by which you do lead the organisation, and then how your employees can represent your brand.
1: That, that's a, such an interesting point, Karen, um, because you know you you have uh, such a, a long uh, career in in corporate, and um, internal um, branding with your staff will project externally on your branding with your clients. And so I'm not surprised that um, you have a, such a great reputation on the market because you have such a good internal brand, uh, yeah. and you have a, such a great uh, employee engagement, which um, which had to project uh, to to have a respect as the most trusted uh, organization, which is fantastic. Congratulations! And I, if you if you want to give uh, uh, like a three advice. Advises from to uh, to other organisations and uh, some lessons that uh, guide dogs can share. What would that be, Karen?
2: Uh, I think uh, the couple of things. Well, first of all, you know we have an amazing employee engagement guide dogs. We do an employee engagement survey every year, um, and our our last engagement survey we did last month had our engagement sitting at ninety-one percent. Now, that's an incredible oh, wow. level of engagement. And, and I think what that comes from, to be honest, is, um, as I said, it's about being transparent and honest and setting the example of living the values of your organisation. We have a very... We are a very strong values-based organisation, and I really do. My, I have a very high expectations around how our people perform and behave in terms of our values. So, all of our employees are measured as part of their performance appraisal against the values of the and behaviours of the organisation. And I think, secondly, um, it's about being consistent. Um, I don't think consistency is it can be overrated. I think you've got to be consistent in your messaging, consistent in your leadership. Um, consistent in um, in everything that you do around the organisation and once again that helps really to, uh, to build trust. I think also you know leadership is not about hierarchy and telling people what to do, it's about having a vision for your organisation and then inspiring those in your organisation to join you on the journey to achieving that vision and in fact Adding value to it along the way, so you know I think um, th- th- you know they're, the, they're probably the three things that it would be uppermost in my mind in terms of um, how you build trust in your organisation, how you how you can be a good leader in in an organisation.
1: As, as you were saying about that, I just remembered a um, quote from Brian Tracy, who is international um, American uh, coach and, and uh, leader, and he always says, uh, if you're a type of leader that people will follow Even if you don't have the title of the CEO, then you're a true leader, and you are a true leader, Karen, because it seems to me people will follow you no matter what what your title (laughs) is. Well, thank
2: you. Um, Um, You know, know, no organization is successful on its own, and I really do believe that. You know everybody talks about what a wonderful organisation guide Dogs is, and and I, I really and with good reason and I really do I strongly believe that I stand on the shoulders of some pretty amazing people that work in the organisation, and it really is a team effort to get us to where we are and to continue to deliver the quality of services that we do for blind and vision impaired people.
1: Mm, you, you just, you're just an amazing organization. Um, I, I came across some stats, Karen, um, where it says there's about 39 million blind people in the world, according to the World Health Organization, and about 90% have at least some level of uh, light perception. Dr. Stephen Hicks, uh, research fellow in neuroscience and visual prosthetics at Oxford University, has developed smart glasses that accentuate the contrast between light and dark objects. Do you believe that uh, new and advanced technology will enable people with disability get more into the workforce?
2: Oh, look, absolutely Alma. I think the role of assistive technology in supporting people with disabilities, whether Vision or any sort of disability um, to, to enter the workforce and do and live the life that they choose is going to be very significant and, and is already very significant. And it's a it's a fast moving, evolving sort of in, um, industry as well. And it doesn't have to be that sophisticated either. I mean, at Guide we work with a range of assistive technologies, from magnifiers right up to complex beacon technology that supports our clients. Um, journey through their independence. But, you know, really, at the end of the day, the smartphone has probably been the the best uh, uh, technology uh, device uh, uh, to support people with a disability. I think um, the biggest blocker for our clients is not about their capacity or the skills that they have. It's about the attitudes and behaviours and biases that a lot of people, and particularly employees, can often have uh, for people with a disability. With a disability, and I think what technology is going to do is really demonstrate very, very well the enormous ability of what of what of the enormous abilities of people of what people with a disability have, as opposed to focusing on their disability in the workforce. So I think it's going to, you know, we're already starting to see this. We have a lot of clients at Guide Dogs who are. A very successful careers in banking and in hospitality and a whole range of different industries and this is coming about because of fantastic advances in technology.
1: Is there, is there still a little bit of bias towards the uh, people with disability? Because I, I think I came a that somewhere that um, in Australia here, I'm talking that the, the number of people with disability, um, workplace, uh, people in the workplace is actually declining? Yeah, um, well, I, I don't know that it's declining. I mean, we, we've got the experience of God. We started a, um, we
2: started a, um, a, a social enterprise about, um, about eight months ago called Dialogue in the Dark. It's an experiential exhibition that we've opened where people navigate, you know, iconic sites of Melbourne that we've recreated on the site. And they navigate these iconic sites in complete darkness and the guide that they have is blind. So it's a complete role reversal. And what we're finding is that this is really a fantastic vehicle for social change in the, in the city because what people, what's happening is that people are going through dialogue in the dark, experiencing, you know, navigating the city in complete darkness and coming out the, at the end of the exhibition and with a completely different mindset, around the capability of people who are blind or have low vision, but also around the challenges that these people clearly overcome as part of their day-to-day life. So what we're hoping to achieve with Dialogue in the Dark is to create a platform for social change and a change in thinking around engaging blind and low-vision people in employment, with employment opportunities. So we're employing around blind and vision impaired people in Dialogue in the Dark, and some of them, even in the last couple of months, have, have gone on from Dialogue in the Dark to to get to seek um, gainful employment in other industries. So, you know, we will use that as a training platform for people to, you know, start to, to, to learn what it's like to go to work every day, overcome some of the challenges associated with, um, with being in the workplace, and then hopefully demonstrating to the community that uh, these that, that people who are blind and, and have low vision, in fact, have a lot to bring to the table in terms of capability and employment opportunities.
1: That's that's fantastic. Congratulations! I'm really looking forward to hear more on that. Uh, we will take a short break, and when we come back, uh, we will talk about uh, a little bit more about women in leadership position. So uh, stay with us, and uh, we'll come back shortly.
4: Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
0: Wimmigrants of Australia is a unique organization helping skilled immigrants, in particular women, to establish careers and integrate in a new country. For individuals, we offer coaching and mentoring programs. For organizations, we help create diverse and engaging culture, offer talent placement, career transitions, diversity strategy, and inclusive leadership development. We are also available for speaking and consulting engagements. Visit wimmigrants.com.au for more information. That's wimmigrants.com.au.
4: Innovation. It can be thought of in so many ways, but usually it's in the form of new products, ideas, and technology, working together for a better experience. On Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight, host Andy Ford explores innovation by speaking with top insiders who explain how different industries get their ideas to market. Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight can be heard live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on on the Voice America Business Channel.
3: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand
0: 24-7. You are listening to Global Workplace with Alma Besserton. To reach the show, please call into our toll-free lines in North America, That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to elma at wimmigrants.com.au. Now, back to The Global Workplace.
1: Uh, Welcome back, the uh, Global Workplace uh, Radio Show listeners. Uh, I'm so excited this morning I have, or it's your evening, um, uh, Karen Hayes, who is the CEO of Victoria Division of the Guide Dogs Australia, currently Australia's most trusted charity. Um, Karen, you are a very big advocate of women in leadership, and uh, I wanted to ask you the question about the fact is that There are some stats globally that number of women in leadership position is still declining globally. And uh, given you had such an amazing career path and uh, uh, you are CEO and you are such a big advocate for women, what do you um, see as some major challenges and, and what were maybe some of your major challenges and how did you overcome them to become so successful?
2: Look, I think there's a couple of factors that feed into this. First of all, um, I, I guess I'm never really that comfortable separating a gender or, or labelling, and um, I always have, I've always judged people on their individual strengths. So um, uh, you know, so whether being a female or not, you, know, uh, you really look at the individual strengths of people. I think we also have to remember that um, males and females bring very different capabilities to the table in terms of um, the complementary nature of their skills and perspectives, and I think you know, that's, always, that's always been very important to me. In terms of my own career, I think um, I've been very fortunate to have um, had a number of different sort of sponsors throughout my career, and if these sponsors are not mentors or or coaches, they're people that really... Sponsor you, you know, can see your potential, can see the value that you can bring in the organisation and really back you um, in terms of promoting you through the organisation. I, I think also, you know, that comes a lot from being true to yourself as well um, and understanding the value and skills that you bring to the organisation and certainly not trying to be something that you're, not, that you're not. I mean, we all have doubts and challenges and I think. You know, every job I think I've ever gone into, I've, I've certainly um, had my no doubts as to whether I could do that. But I think that's also very very much a female thing. I think, I, I think um, women are really um, have, are at an Olympic standard when it comes to self-doubt. And, and you know, what I've learned in my, throughout my career is that this is really a wasted emotion in terms of doubting yourself. You've really got to back yourself in and, and be confident that... That um, you can you, you can do this, and and in fact, I think men are very very good at this. You know, that men will look at a job and go and, and be able to do you know sixty percent of it, and go yes, I'm going to nail this. Whereas well, a woman will just look at it, be able to do ninety and, percent, and doubt the, the final ten percent. So I think um, I've been very very lucky in my career where I don't really feel that I've been discriminated against because of my gender. But I really do put that down to sticking to my values and and having a go at, at, at all the you know the different opportunities that have been presented to me. And I think it's important once again, going to understand your worth and the unique perspective that you can bring to any organisation in whatever role that you, that you uh, that you undertake. I'm not a I'm not a fan of the fake it till you make it sort of analogy. I think that yes. you know, being myself, being curious. Asking questions and admitting you know, when you get it wrong, just admit that you got it wrong and what did you learn from the experience and, and then move on. And I think that's really where I've I've gained the respect of others and and have gained the respect and the trust of my
1: team. That's so beautifully said, because certainly through my career I've I've observed a very similar um Observation that uh, women will often focus on what they can't do rather than what they already know, (laughs) and uh, it's it's such a it's such a a a challenge. Be and and also, um, I I believe that men would support other men, uh, bringing them uh, around the table and so on. Where whereas I, I think women are reluctant because they always have that conscious, what would somebody say if I bring Karen now around my table? Uh, is it going to be seen as a bias? Whereas men actually don't have those sorts of um, yeah. uh, thoughts and, and so on. Um, just talking about... Yeah, I, think, um, I,
2: think it, I, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think we sh- we can't lose sight of, this, of the fantastic role that men can play in supporting our careers and, and sponsoring our careers, but also I think Women have a very important role to play with this, in this. Madeline, there's a very famous saying that, um, by Madeline Albright that there is a special place in hell for any woman that doesn't support another woman. And I think that all women have a role to play in promoting and coaching and supporting women to to you know push through the glass ceiling if it's there, to to you know really build their confidence and understanding that they can you know live their dreams and achieve whatever they set out to achieve.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, and talking about the the, the, the women, and uh, given you are such a strong advocate for women, as um, as a cancer survivor, you you established field of women event at the MCG here in Melbourne in 2010. Tell us a little bit more about that, Karen. And the, as I said
2: earlier, you know, the Breast Cancer Network is about supporting um, women and the families of women in terms of understanding the options that they have available to them as they embark on their cancer journey. And um, what we decided to do and, um, as an organisation was um, we put, we, we, as a graphical representation of the number of women and men, because there are also um, a, a number of men that are diagnosed with breast cancer every year, In 2010, we did the very first. um, uh, Sorry, 2006. We did the very first field of women, where we put um, 15,000 men and women dressed in pink ponchos in the shape of a pink lady, which is the um, the logo for Breast Cancer Network Australia, um, onto the grounds of the MCG, which is a, a world famous sporting stadium in Melbourne. And this was a fantastic. Graphical representation of the number of people who are diagnosed with breast cancer every year, and it was a it was a big fundraiser, which was fantastic. But I, but also, you know, in, particularly in Melbourne, but you know, certainly all around Australia, the um, AFL football is absolutely huge here. So to use that as a vehicle to get the message across around breast cancer for men and women was a fantastic um, initiative, and has really resonated with are yeah, thousands and thousands of people around the country. So, we, uh, Breast Cancer Network now holds a field of women every three years, and in fact, there's going to be one um, again in Melbourne in, uh, in August this year. So, this year I think there's going to be, I think in 2006 we had about 10,000 women and men and um, on the ground this year because the incidence of breast cancer has increased. I think it's more going to be more like about 15,000. Men and
1: women that mm. will be in pink trade on the grounds of the MCG. Wow, that that's that's amazing initiative. You you mentioned um, also um, uh, the you you co-founder of the Australian chapter International Women's Forum and um, the theme this year for United Nations um, International Women's Day was Leave No Women Behind and together we can empower uh, women across the globe. We, we touched uh, on what we, other women can do in the leadership to empower other women, but what will be your uh, three kind of uh, summary career points that you can share with other women to empower other women?
2: Look, I think, first of all, um, you know, as I said earlier, I think we all have a responsibility to nurture, encourage, and promote talented women. And um, and you know and and share our experiences. You know, I think you know we. I think we've got to promote other women and, and nurture them. We've got to share our experiences so that they can learn from us. And um, and we've got to really you know help them on on their journey to you know pushing through barriers to um, you know building their confidence. And I think this is a, this is a big thing. Is you know really support women in being confident about what they can actually achieve and the difference that they can make. And I think we all, we all,
1: all women have a, have a responsibility to do that. I, I completely agree with that and I support that. We have a couple of minutes to, uh, to end. And very briefly, uh, you, as a strong advocate for women, as a president of the VU Western Spurs Football Club, you influenced the increase of women in Australian Women's Football League. How did you manage to influence this change?
2: This has been a significant undertaking, and I, I mean, I've been involved with football now for about 15 years. But there are other amazing women who have been involved in AFL football and supporting women's football for over 30 years. So it's been really a slow burn. Um, that said, uh, you know, and once again, we've had to work with a lot of guys, a lot of men, to, to get this across the line, and and for them to be, you know, to be sponsors of this very significant change in AFL football. It's a fantastic product. Women, women's football is a fantastic product. It's also the fastest growing area of participation in the AFL. And I think once again, you know, it's about recognising the role that men play in supporting initiatives like this, bringing different perspectives to the table, and respecting those. And 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 um, you know, and with with the football, you know, I was on the board of the Melbourne Football Club, which I love. And Melbourne Football Club really led the way in supporting women's football and sponsoring women's football. And and in fact, the Melbourne Football Club uh, were responsible for leading the way in terms of having the very first women's football game on the MCG um, against the Western Bulldogs about five years ago. So it's been um, it's been a slow burn, but it you know we're certainly seeing this you know it is the grand final of this year's Women's uh, um, ASL Women's Football uh, next weekend, and it's the area of participation is just growing stronger and stronger, and um, all the time. And I think this is a, a fantastic thing in terms of supporting community, supporting women. I see the difference that it makes in many, many girls' lives, and I think it's, it's you know it's just been fantastic for women's sport.
1: That, that's fantastic. Stay with us. Um, my amazing guest uh, today is Karen Hayes and we'll take a short break and we'll be back shortly and uh, continue uh, conversation with this amazing guest uh, today.
3: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business and more on demand 24-7.
0: Wimmigrants of Australia is a unique organization helping skilled immigrants, in particular women, to establish careers and integrate in a new country. For individuals, we offer coaching and mentoring programs. For organizations, we help create diverse and engaging culture, offer talent placement, career transitions, diversity strategy, and inclusive leadership development. We are also available for speaking and consulting engagements. Visit wimmigrants.com.au for more information. That's wimmigrants.com.au.
4: Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Innovation. It can be thought of in so many ways, but usually it's in the form of new products, ideas, and technology, working together for a better experience. On Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight, host Andy Ford explores innovation by speaking with top insiders who explain how different industries get their ideas to market. Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight can be heard live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on on the Voice America Business Channel.
5: Become
3: our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You are listening to Global Workplace with Alma Besserton. To reach the show, please call into our toll-free lines in North America. 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to elma at wimmigrants.com.au. Now back to the global workplace.
1: Welcome back, everyone, and uh, thank you for staying with us. Uh, My amazing guest uh, today is Karen Hayes, who is the CEO of the Victorian Division of the Guide Dogs Australia, currently Australia's most trusted charity Uh, Karen, before the break, we we talked about and you mentioned a lot of work that you're doing uh, as the president of the VU Western Spurs Football Club. And one of my guests in the next couple of weeks is going to be also Dr. Uh, uh, Sue, uh, who is uh, Sue Alberti, who is uh, such a big fan and amazing uh, uh, influencer in this space. It's it's always amazes me, the women like you and her, who are actually contributing to Australian Women's Football League and uh, and what's happening to influence the change. And you talked about before that we actually, as a woman, we need support of other men. Was it a challenge to influence um, in a, in a football? Because, I mean, I know even like I've been in Australia for 27 years, how hard it was to get into this space as a mm. as a woman, because it was seen as a man thing, not as a woman thing.
2: Yeah, look, that's a really, a really good question. And Susan, you know, Susan's been really really spearheaded um, women's football for the Western Bulldogs as I did for, for um, the Melbourne Football Club. But that said, you know, once again, there's, there's a lot of women who have been involved in in um, in driving that women's football agenda for many years and. Um, Look, even now, you know, even seeing the enormous popularity of women's football out there now that it's been launched as AFLW, there are still a lot of guys, and women, who just don't like the fact that women are playing football. And, you know, they think it's too rough or, or, you know, or or guys just sort of go, you know, women shouldn't be playing. And and, and it's a very narrow, narrow view. And, and, you know, it's good for young girls who, until now, have, you know, been playing football as, as kids and not been able, not seen a career path in terms of um, a football career, where now they can, you know, they can start playing with those, those kids and then join a community club and then, you know, get involved with, um, with a club that can take them through a career path up to the elite football level. And this is fantastic for girls at so many different levels, not only in terms of their sporting career. But it does a lot for, you know, building confidence in young girls, for building that team spirit that you get in a football club, um, it's a, the, the difference that it makes in the community. Um, and, and, you know, the, the football club that I'm the president of the VUS and Spurs,
4: you know, we, we have doubled in size. So we've gone from 80 girls to 160
2: girls last year, and we'll be up to about 250 girls this year. So you know, oh, congratulations! That's enormous growth. Yes, thank you. It's enormous growth and it's enormous engagement, not right. only for the girls that are playing, but for their families. You know, you see parents and family members coming along and and supporting the girls and and really getting into that um, that community football, which really for many many communities is the backbone of their community, particularly in regional areas. So, uh, you yeah, know, football plays a very very big part and. Um, in the lives of many people for a whole range of different reasons, not just, you know, the joy of watching a footy game, but it's also the joy of, of building community spirit and giving the girls, you know, giving the girls a, 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 an avenue to mix with other girls or be, be mentored by by other women and, and understand the opportunities in life that might be available to them. So there's many avenues that... Um, that football takes in terms of supporting young women.
1: Mm, that That's a fantastic uh, initiative. That That's really great work that you guys are doing. Um, going on the other side of conversation, talking about uh, some changes to uh, disability employment and um, legislation that I understand uh, is coming as of 1st of July this year, could you tell us a little bit more about that and uh, what changes that might bring to the um, disability employment and people with disabilities?
2: Absolutely. The, I mean, the whole um, health sector is undergoing massive, massive change. It's transformational in terms of supporting people with disabilities. So Australia is introducing and rolling currently rolling out the National Disability Insurance Scheme, which is... Um, which really is forcing disability services organisations to rethink their whole organisation in terms of their business model because what what the National Disability Insurance Scheme will do is for those organisations that have traditionally been um, government-funded, this funding is now being put in the hands of the consumer for the consumer to decide where they want to go to, to get their services. So it's a complete reverse of how disability services organisations have been funded. And what this means is that you know organisations that are delivering disability services need to look at how do they market their services, how do they become customer centric, how do they make sure that they are the best out there and the preferred the preferred supplier for services. So they you know they're needing to become a much much more commercially oriented, almost. Um, you know, much like a professional services organisation, in terms of looking at the cost of delivery of their services, looking at how they, you know, how they, how they reach um, all of their clients in the most efficient and effective way. So once again, you know, this conversation we had earlier in the interview regarding. You know, bringing corporate skills into the not-for-profit sector, once again, bringing these corporate and commercial skills into the sector is really going to enable many disability services organisations to have a complete rethink or or reinvention, in fact. You know, certainly at Guide Dogs, we've really reinvented our organisations to be able to position ourselves for the National Disability Insurance Scheme. We've not traditionally had a lot of government funding, um, but we're big supporters of um, the NDIS in terms of what it's going to do in supporting people with disabilities to be able to go out there and and get the services that they need. So what that's also going to do is is provide services to people with disabilities that will enable them to go out and, and, and be employed and have the services wrapped around them that will ensure that they... Have the training that's necessary
1: for them to seek painful employment as well. That that seems to be like a amazing initiative, um, and uh, every the one that everyone is um, is talking about. So um, there is still, I guess, lots of unknown, but seems to me there is a lot of positive things that uh, will be influenced by that change. Um, Karen, we are. At the end of session today, I I am so grateful that um, uh, you you made the time to talk to me this morning because your your story, your personal story, and also the leadership that uh, you provide with the Victoria Division of the Guide Dogs Australia is something that needed to be shared at the Global Workplace Radio Show. So thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and. Um, before I close, um, I normally uh, have a quote after each of my episodes and given your legacy that you personally are living uh, in community and organization, I thought uh, a quote from Dolly Parton, a singer and songwriter, would have been really appropriate for you, Karen, this morning. And she says, if your actions create a legacy that inspires others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, then you are an excellent leader. And I think, Karen, you're just an amazing leader, um, and congratulations on all of your work. I really uh, appreciate your time this morning.
2: Thank you very much, Alma. It's really been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, and I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening today. This is Alma Besserdin, your host at the Global uh, Workplace Radio Show. And until next time, stay happy, healthy, and safe.
0: Thank you for making us a part of your week. Please join Alma Bessardin for another edition of the Global Workplace next Tuesday at 4 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week.